six or seven months, but we've been studying together pretty consistently almost every week for the last three months, and two of those, two out of the three, made the decision to put on Christ in baptism this past week. They're still living about an hour away from here. They're living, I would have to check the geography, I'm still working on my Western Kentucky geography, but they're living close to one of the farthest away lakes, one of the resorts out there. So they're about an hour away from here. They uh, aren't going to be traveling back and forth to Mayfield with gas prices the way that they are, but they should be coming back to Mayfield really soon. So we're excited to welcome them into our family when their homes get rebuilt, their apartments get rebuilt, and they're able to be here with us at Seven Oaks. If you want to send cards or send notes to them, an address would be difficult to find, you can just give those to me. We're still going to be meeting every week. It's important after an individual is baptized to keep studying and to go over those first principles. So if you would like to send them something, some kind of note or some kind of card to welcome them into the family of God, you can give that to me and I'll make sure that gets to them. Mark chapter 5 is where we're going to be studying together tonight, verses 21 through 43. We're going to be closing out our study in Mark chapter 5, and next week, Lord willing, moving into Mark chapter 6. One thing that you might not know about me, and one thing that you might have in common with me, is that I really don't like to wait. Whenever I'm waiting, I feel like I'm wasting my time, time that I'm never going to get back. For instance, let me invite you into my head for just a minute. Whenever I have to sit at a stoplight, don't like to wait. The thought that's running through my mind, I could be 20 more seconds down the road by now. Now, I could be 20 more seconds closer to my destination if I, have to, if I didn't have to sit and wait at this red light. Do you ever feel that way? I don't really like to wait on people. We all have that person in our household that really doesn't mind being late, right? Maybe you are that person who doesn't really mind being late. I'll wait on you, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to complain about it. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to have something to say about it. I think I've shared with you before, one of my favorite restaurants is Chick-fil-A. One reason is because the food is really good, but the other reason is because they get you your food quickly. I mean, by the time you order and you pick out a table to sit at, they're already bringing it out to you. That's what I'm talking about. They don't give you time to get hangry, a mix between being hungry and being angry. But something that I've gotten a little bit better at over time and something I'm still working on is being patient. Having a willingness to wait. Did you hear what was read in our scripture reading from Romans, the 12th chapter, verse number 12? Paul commands us to do three things in that specific scripture, but the one that's found in the middle are these words be patient in tribulation. You know as well as I do that we all go through trials. We all go through tribulations, difficulties, and hardships in life. We all go through things that are painful. And in Romans chapter 12, Paul says when we go through those tribulations, when we go through those trials, we have the responsibility to be patient. We have to have a willingness to wait, which is actually a very hard thing to do. Have you ever tried to do that, to be patient in the midst of tribulation? We want trials to be over with very quickly, and rightfully so. They cause so much pain in our lives. We want trials to exit our lives just as quickly as they came in. We want them to be over with in a very quick manner. And maybe sometimes we forget what Paul encourages us to do in Romans chapter 12 and verse 12, to be patient, to have a willingness to wait in the midst of the tribulations 
and the hardships and the difficulties that we go through in life. Tonight, we're going to be looking at an example of what it looks like to be patient in tribulation. We're going to be studying a man in Mark chapter 5 who was very patient. He had a willingness to wait on Jesus and a willingness to trust in Jesus' timing in Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. But before we get into that, before we get into his situation and story, let's get to know him just a little bit. What do we know about this man in Mark chapter 5 verses 21 through 43? I think we could say a lot of things in response to that question, but really we can narrow it down to three. First, we know his name. Mark chapter 5 and verse 22 tells us that his name is Jairus. Alongside of his name in verse 22, we find his occupation. The Bible says that he was one of the rulers of the synagogue in his specific town. More than likely, what that meant is that he was a Pharisee. And from the reading and studying that I, I did, it seems like he would have been the one in charge of the progress of worship. As worship was progressing in the synagogue on the Sabbath day, he would have been the one in charge of that. As a leader in the synagogue, he would have been a man of great honor. He would have been a man of great authority. He would have been a man who carried great respect from individuals within the town. We know his name, Jairus. We know his occupation, but if we go to the next verse, verse 23, we find out his tribulation. We find out the difficulty in his life from his very own lips. Verse 23, my little daughter is at the point of death. Luke's account of this tells us that this was his only daughter. If you keep reading in Mark chapter 5 and you get down to verse 42, the Bible says that she was 12 years old and was at the point of death. Back in this time, a 12-year-old wasn't really a child. If you were 12 years old, you were ready almost to be married off. And being a 12-year-old, a 12-year-old girl, in this time, you were entering into the prime of your life. And so you notice Jairus' tribulation. We find he's one of the leaders of the synagogue, but here's something that his authority can't take care of. Here's something that his respect and honor from others cannot solve. His daughter, little daughter, only daughter, his 12-year-old daughter, is knocking on death's door. So the question is, how does he respond to that tribulation? Parents, you can imagine how he felt. Imagine his desperation. Imagine his devastation. Imagine all the feelings that he had as he knew his daughter was about to die. This is a tribulation. This is a trial in his life. How did he respond to it? I think we can say three things in response to that question. The first thing that he did when we look at verse 21 into the beginning of verse 24 is he came to Jesus. Setting up the context here in verse number 21, we find Jesus once again crossing the Sea of Galilee. If you go back to Mark chapter 4, what we were studying two weeks ago, Jesus was speaking to a crowd on the shore of the Sea of Galilee in parables. But then He tells His disciples, let's cross to the other side. And so that's what they did. They go to the region of the Gerasenes, and that's what we talked about last week. But here in verse number 21, Jesus is coming back to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, the side that He started on. And notice as He nears the shore, there was a crowd of people waiting for Him. 
waiting to welcome Him, waiting to spend time with Him, which stands in great contrast with what we saw last week. Remember, Jesus goes into the land of the Gerasenes. He casts out a demon from an individual. The demons go into the pigs. The pigs rush into the water and drown. How did the people respond to that situation? They begged Him to leave. They begged Jesus, please leave our place, leave our region, and never come back again. So that's what Jesus did. He got in the boat, sailed across the Sea of Galilee, came to the other side, and here's a crowd of people waiting for Him. Welcoming Him on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. The Bible says in verse 21 that they gathered about Him. The text zeroes in on one specific individual, the man who we're talking about tonight, Jairus, who was within this multitude. You notice what he does. You notice the verbs, the action words, beginning in verse number 22. The Bible says, Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue. Here's a man who comes to Jesus. When he comes to Jesus, what does he do? Verse 22, He fell down at Jesus' feet. That's a sign of humility. That's a sign of respect. That's a sign of obedience. A realization that Jesus is greater than I am. What did we say about Jairus? Jairus was a man of great authority. He was a man of great honor and respect in his town. Especially when you stepped foot in the synagogue, the place where God was worshipped. Here's a man of great respect and authority bowing down at Jesus' feet because he realizes that Jesus is greater. And we see his desperation his devastation in verse 23, he implored Jesus earnestly. He begged Jesus saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. This is a sense of urgency. Jesus, my daughter is about to die. But if we could add one more thing that we see in Jairus, it's faith. It's his trust in Jesus' power. He says, my little daughter is at the point of death. This is 23. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. Jesus, my little daughter's about to die, but if you'll just come with me and you'll lay your hands on her, I know that you can heal her. If you'll come and lay your hands on her, I know, I have faith, I trust that you have the power to stop her from dying. And instead of dying like she's on the track of, like she's knocking on the door of, she's going to continue to live. He comes to Jesus. He falls down before Jesus. He begs Jesus earnestly, please come and heal my daughter. I know that you can do it. And what does Jesus do in 24? He went with him. We said last week, whenever you beg Jesus to leave, He's going to leave. But whenever you beg Jesus to come, He's going to come. And He's going to be active. And He's going to be involved. That's exactly what happens here in Mark chapter 5 and verse 24. Now you have Jairus leading Jesus through a large crowd of people on the way to his house where his daughter was at the point of death. How did Jairus respond to this great trial in his life? He came to Jesus. And perhaps it should make us reflect. It should make us think about our own lives. Where do we go whenever we face tribulation? Make it more personal. Where do you go whenever you face tribulation? There are some people, when they go through hardships in life, they turn to things like alcohol. They turn to things like drugs. Sometimes when people go through tribulation, they turn to themselves and they try to push through it on their own. They take their life in their own hands and they try to rely on their own strength. 
There are some people who hide their tribulation. They take it and put it underneath the rug. They put it in the closet and close the door as if it's not there and they pretend as if it's not happening only for it to catch up with them later. There are some people who turn to other people. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but when that's our first thought and that's our first choice and that's our first priority to turn to another person, I think that we can find something better than that. I think we find something better than that here in Mark chapter 5. A lot better, a whole lot better than anything we just mentioned over the last few moments is that when we face tribulation and when we go through trials in life is to come to Jesus. Do what Jairus did. Approach Jesus. Fall down at Jesus' feet. Have a respect for Him. Have a humility to say, I can't do this on my own. Implore Him. Beg Him. Jesus, I know that You can do something about this. I know that You can give the healing and the rest and the salvation and the deliverance that my soul is searching for in the midst of this difficulty. That's what Jesus invites us to do. Have you read Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28 where Jesus says, come to me? You ever got an invitation in the mail saying, I want you to come to my party? Here's Jesus extending an invitation to you and me saying, you can come to me. Come to me when things are good in your life. Come to me when you have everything together. Make sure that everything is fixed and then you can come to me. That's the invitation, right? No, look again at verse 28. Come to me all. Not some. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, are you going through difficulties in life? Jesus asked, are you burdened in life? Are you laboring right now? Do you feel like things are stacked up on your shoulders? Has life become heavy laden? Jesus extends the invitation, come to Me. Bring those things to Me. Lay them at My feet. And in return, I will give you rest. How do we respond to the tribulations that we go through in life? Do we make the decision to come to Jesus? Is He our first priority? Do we take Him up on His invitation to take our burdens and to give us rest? That's what Jairus did. The first thing that he did is that he came to Jesus. But then as we continue reading, we find in the last part of 24 down to verse 35, he waited on Jesus. He was patient in the midst of His tribulation. Can you picture this scene? Jesus is surrounded by this great crowd of people. And He's being led by Jairus to Jairus' house, the place where his little girl, the place where his daughter was. And the Bible says at the end of 24 that a great crowd followed Him and thronged about Him. As Jairus led Jesus, the crowd wasn't content to stay behind. No, as Jairus led Jesus, the crowd went with them. And the crowd was pressing in on Jesus from every side. How do you think Jairus thought about that? View that from his perspective for just a second. If I was Jairus, I would be thinking things like, if this crowd would go away for just 30 minutes, then we could get this taken care of. If they would leave us alone, if they would disperse for just a few minutes, and they would stop pounding on top of us, then I could get Jesus to my house. Remember, there's a sense of urgency here. I could get to my house with Jesus, and Jesus could heal my daughter before she passes away. I picture Jairus with his arms out, with his elbows out, trying to push people out of the way, asking people to move, begging them to move, as he had tears streaming down his face. 
This crowd is pressing in on Jesus. And once again, just like we did with Jairus, in 24 through 35, we focus in on one specific individual. This time, it's a woman. This woman has a tribulation in her life. The Bible says that she had a bleeding disorder for 12 years. That's interesting. The little girl's how old? 12 years old? And she's had a bleeding disorder for how long? 12 years. More than likely, this is a uterine hemorrhage. And she had tried to fix it. She had tried to go to all kinds of doctors, but she didn't get better. The text says that she only got worse. She didn't take steps forward. She only took steps backward. She spent all the money that she had going to these doctors. And then add on top of that, in Leviticus chapter 15, she was considered unclean by everybody. So she was cut off from society. She was cut off from everybody else. Nobody would associate with her because if you associate with someone who's unclean, you become unclean yourself. So what's her plan? There's this crowd of people surrounding Jesus, and just like we saw with Jairus, we saw his faith, we see this woman's faith. But she does it, she approaches Jesus in a way that's very different than what Jairus did. She thought to herself, if you skip down to verse 28, she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. Oh, he doesn't have to look at me. He doesn't have to pay attention to me. He doesn't even have to know that I'm behind Him. But if I can just sneak up behind Him with no publicity whatsoever and touch the end of His garment, then I will be made well. That was her thought. That was her faith. That was her plan. And it's exactly what she did. She comes up behind Jesus, touches the hem of His garment, and what happens? What she trusted would happen is what took place. Immediately the flow of blood dried up. The Bible says immediately she was healed. But Jesus wasn't willing to let it go. He responded by asking the question, verse number 30, who touched my garments? Who touched the hem of my garments? I think that Jesus knows the answer to that question. I think that Jesus knows the woman who did this. He's asking this question in order to demonstrate this situation and to demonstrate her faith to the crowd that's surrounding Him. How did the disciples respond? Well, Jesus, look around. Duh, you have a crowd of people pressing in on you from every side. There's been a million people touch you in the last five minutes. Why are you so concerned about one person touching you? Well, Luke says that this touch was different. Luke says that when this woman touched Jesus, He felt the power leave Him to heal her. And so he continued asking the question like we read in 30, who touched my garments? Verse 31, who touched me? The woman realized she couldn't hide. Perhaps this woman knew that Jesus knew what was going on. So the Bible says that she came before Him. Verse 33, knowing what had happened to her, she came in fear and trembling. She fell down before Him and told Him the whole truth. She told Jesus what she did, her plan. She told Jesus what happened as a result of touching the hem of His garment. And how did Jesus respond? It seems that she's expecting condemnation. It seems that she's expecting rebuke. But notice 34, Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. That's a powerful story. 
a beautiful story where Jesus is willing to have compassion on this woman. Not just to heal her, but to have face-to-face interaction with her. But again, step back into Jairus' shoes. View this from his perspective. You look at verse 35, the Bible says, while all of this was going on, a messenger came from his house and said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher any longer? Jairus is standing here watching this happen. Watching Jesus turn and look, ask the question, who touched me? Who touched my garments? He watches as this woman comes forward and Jesus has a conversation with her and it's in that span of time where He receives the news. It's not just that your daughter's about to die, it's that she has died. And so don't bother Jesus anymore. If Jesus couldn't have, could not have gotten there while she was still living, He could have done something about it. He could have healed her. But now that she's dead, there's nothing that Jesus can do. Don't bother the teacher anymore if I was Jairus I would have been tempted to give Jesus an earful if you wouldn't have stopped then maybe we could have made it if you wouldn't have paid attention to this woman see this woman she certainly had a problem but it wasn't life threatening she's been dealing with this for 12 years Jesus if you wouldn't have spent time with her and paid attention to her, then we could have made it to my house and my daughter wouldn't be dead right now. That's probably what I would have said. What did Jairus say? Absolutely nothing. He stood there, he waited, and he watched. What was he? Romans chapter 12 and verse 12. He was patient in tribulation. So perhaps it makes us, once again, reflect on ourselves. When we face tribulation, we should make the decision to go to Jesus and to talk to Jesus about it. But whenever we face tribulation and we go to Jesus, are we willing to wait on Jesus? Are we willing to trust in His timing? Are we willing to be patient in the difficulties that we go through? To wait on Jesus to act? The book of Psalms teaches us to do that. The book of Psalms teaches us to be patient on the Lord and to wait for His timing. Let me give you just a few examples. Psalms 5 and verse 3, O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice, in the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you, and I what? Lord, when I wake up in the morning, I'm talking to you, I'm praying to you, I prepare a sacrifice for you, and then I'm going to watch. I'm going to sit back and wait for what you are going to do. Psalms 27 and verse 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Psalms 33 and verse 20. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Psalms 37 and verse 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. As a ruler of the synagogue, do you think that Jairus maybe had some of these verses playing in his mind? Do you think he was reflecting perhaps on what the psalmist says and how we are to wait on the Lord to act and to trust in His timing? But it's like what we said, that can be a very difficult thing to do. Sometimes the most difficult thing to do in the midst of our tribulations is to wait on Jesus to act. Do you think it was difficult for Jairus to stand there and wait knowing that his daughter was about to die and then finding out that his daughter had died? Do you think it was difficult for him to be patient? It's going to be difficult for us to be patient. Yes, that's, yet that's what Scripture tells us to do. 
to trust in Jesus, to trust in His timing, to wait for the Lord, and to be patient for His action. At this point in the story, it seems hopeless. And I'm sure that Jairus felt hopeless when it came to his situation. But the third thing that we need to say about him is that he not only came to Jesus, he not only waited on Jesus, but number three, verses 36 through 43, he was rewarded by Jesus. As Jairus receives this news, your daughter is dead, why bother the teacher any longer? Perhaps Jairus was turning around and starting to walk away, but Jesus catches him in verse number 36 and gives to him two commands. First one, do not fear. Do not be afraid. The only reason that you would tell someone not to be afraid is if they were afraid. You wouldn't tell someone not to be afraid if they weren't afraid. So here Jairus has received this news. Imagine how he felt. Imagine the great grief that overcame his heart. Jesus says, no, don't fear. Don't be afraid. Well, what do I do instead? Only believe. Jairus, don't set your eyes on the situation going on around you. Don't set your eyes on the news that you just heard. Set your eyes on me. Look at me, Jesus says. Don't be afraid. Don't fear. Place your trust. Place your faith in me exclusively. Only. It seems that's what Jairus did because he continued leading Jesus to the house even though he was warned to leave Jesus alone. In verse 38, they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And so he asked him in verse number 39, why are you making a commotion and weeping? Why do you think we're making a commotion and weeping? This 12-year-old girl just died. Jesus says, nope, the child is not dead, she's sleeping. Imagine what the people would have thought about that. But Jesus leads the mother and father into the place where the child was in verse 40. In verse 41, He took her by the hand. He said to her, little girl, I say to you, arise. And what happened? Immediately. She got up and began walking. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. Jesus demonstrates His power over death and rewards someone who placed their trust in Him in the midst of difficult circumstances. Jairus, in response to his tribulation, came to Jesus. He could have went to a number of different places, but he made the decision to go to Jesus. He waited on Jesus. He stood there and was patient in the midst of his tribulation. And as a result, he was rewarded by Jesus. Jesus did something amazing. He did what was unthinkable in raising this little girl from the dead. And so the third question that I want you to reflect on tonight is do you want to be rewarded by Jesus? That's like asking do you want a piece of chocolate cake? Of course, I want to be rewarded by Jesus. Of course, when I go through difficulties, I want Jesus to act. I want Jesus to deliver. I want Jesus to save. But if we want to be rewarded, we have to go through some very difficult and vulnerable steps first. Responding to the tribulations in our lives, we first have to make the decision to come to Jesus, to fall down at His feet, to beg Him to be involved in our situation. We have to be willing to wait on Him and to be patient for Him, to trust in His timing, even if it doesn't line up with what we think should happen, when we think it should happen. 
And when we come to Jesus and we wait on Jesus, we find in this text that we will be rewarded by Jesus. He might not give to us exactly what we want, and that reward might not come during the span of this life. But we know that when we come to Jesus and we wait on Jesus and we live our lives in that way, one day we'll be able to receive an eternal reward dwelling in His presence forever. How do you respond to the difficulties in your life? Maybe it's the case that you're going through something really difficult right now. I want to invite you to come to Jesus, to wait on Jesus, and to anticipate the amazing, unthinkable, indescribable reward that He can give. Maybe you need to do that tonight. Maybe you'd like to do that in a public way. Or maybe here in this text, you see the beauty of our Savior and you want to give your life over to Him. Let us help you with it as together we stand and sing our song of invitation.